We're here doing another podcast with Michael Aronson, a lawyer here in El Paso, Texas, who covers a range of legal issues for clients here in town. Michael, how are you doing today? Doing good, thank you. Great, great. Okay, well, let's get started and let's inform our listeners of a lot of the other stuff that you do here in El Paso. We know you do traffic tickets, um, but let's talk about your criminal defense practice, yeah? Yes. Okay, great. Well, you know, the first thing I see on your website um, showing up is you do DUIs and DWIs. Is that a pretty, um, that's pretty common here in El Paso, right? There's a lot of those arrests made every weekend. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would say that the majority of my cases are probably DWI cases. But by the way, a DUI is, uh, is the same offense as DWI, just that in different states, they're known sometimes as DUIs, driving under the influence, and sometimes DWIs, driving while intoxicated. But here, you know, here in Texas, it's DWI, driving while intoxicated. It's probably the most uh, common uh, misdemeanor that we uh, are hired for. And uh, El Paso, like all the rest of the cities in Texas, is real big on, you know, you know, all this anti-DWI stuff, like Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And it didn't used to be like that. Back in the 80s, uh, if we were hired on a DWI case, we could just basically get it dismissed outright. But everybody in Texas, Texas has just become, you know, with, a, with the advent of the Internet and news and things like that, uh, people hear over and over again about all these terrible and they are terrible terrible things when anybody gets hurt by a dwi driver and uh, so now the pendulum has swung totally in the opposite direction and uh they're 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 vigorously prosecuted by the district attorney's office here and every other city in the state of texas well that's interesting and do you think that mothers against drunk driving mad was a huge part of that change, wouldn't you say? Uh, no doubt about it. They uh, came together and they have uh, uh, very much influence with regard to how things uh, now stand in the state of Texas regarding DWI prosecution. Okay, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, I know you got to go into a breathalyzer when you get pulled. Uh, if an officer suspects that you've been driving, under the influence, or while under the influence of DWI, drunk driving, basically. Uh, I know that they, they can make you do a field sobriety test. Well, they can't make you, but what they do is when they, when you get pulled over, they'll, they'll claim that you had either or, and or bloodshot eyes. They could uh, detect the smell of alcohol uh, on your person. Uh, you know, the normal signs of intoxication at that point, then they normally ask you to do a field sobriety test, which is uh, which consists of three different type of tests. It consists of the uh, uh, horizontal gaze nystagmus, which is a test where they have your eyes follow an object, and they look for what they call clues, which have to do with the twitching of the eye, because uh, when a person is under the influence of alcohol and their eyes... Uh, follow an object they kind of twitch so that's the first test they do the second test they do is called a walk and turn 
that consists of taking a certain number of steps, heel to toe, turning around, coming back with the same number of steps. And the the last uh, test that they do is called a one-legged stand. And all these tests are graded by whatever the police officer picks up in, in the form of what they call a clue. So if you do a walk and turn and you use your hands for balance, that would be a clue. So they would count that against a score. But yeah, they do a field sobriety test. And then what they do is they ask you to take a breathalyzer and or, or give blood voluntarily. And there's uh, consequences for not uh, agreeing to take a, uh, uh, or to give a, a voluntary blood sample. And that comes in the form of an action taken by the DPS in every single DWI case where they move or request that the court suspend your license. It's 90 days if you voluntarily give a sample and you flunk it by having a blood alcohol of more than a .08. And um, there are uh, harsher penalties, which is a six-month suspension if you refuse to take the test, which puts them in a position where they have to attain, obtain a warrant from a judge to take actually take your blood. So yeah, they uh, they're very vigorous in these prosecutions. Well, that's pretty crazy. And, and actually, in Texas, you can be considered to be legally intoxicated <clears throat> any one of three different ways. You can either have a blood alcohol of 0.08 percent or higher, or if you have a blood test that comes back lower than that, they'll still proceed to prosecute you under the theory that you either lost the normal use of your mental and or physical faculties. And the way they do that normally is by showing how you did on the field sobriety tests. So they, uh, so basically DWI is having us more than the allowable amount of alcohol or losing the normal use of your physical faculties or use you losing the normal use of your mental faculties. Wow. That's interesting. So it seems to me that field sobriety test can somewhat be subjective. Do they film that? So you can, let's say you're going to defend a client. Are you, do you have access to video and you can argue Yes. That? Yeah, you do have access. Uh, the uh, All the different uh, law enforcement agencies here in El Paso, municipal, uh, the uh, uh, sheriff, uh, the constables, the DPS, they uh, all uh, record and video uh, of the whole event, beginning, you know, with several seconds before the stop, because in Texas you can't just randomly pull over a motorist due to privacy uh, issues that are pr- protected by our Constitution. But um, the the video will normally begin about a minute or two before the actual uh, stop is made, and. Uh, it'll show whatever the police officer claims was the reason for the for the stop, which is usually a traffic infraction of some sort, maybe speeding, maybe running a stop sign, just doing anything that would give them an excuse to pull you over. And then once they pull you over, they normally turn on their microphone. And uh, a lot of a lot of nowadays, actually, just in the recent past. Uh, law enforcement has been using what they call body cams, which are cameras worn on the front side of their of their shirts. And so not only do you have the video, which is taken from the front dashboard of the uh, police unit, 
but you also have the body cam video, which shows more of a close-up of the whole encounter. Wow, okay. I have another question. When you take a breathalyzer, you said that .08, is there stiffer penalties if, like, let's just say you're so wasted that it's like point, I don't know, is there a, a scale to it? Yes, or? yes there is, actually, it's, and it's interesting that you mention that because for the past X number of years, there has been a new law that provides that if you have more than a 0.15 BAC or blood alcohol content, which is about double the legal limit of 0.08, then what that does is it kicks up a standard 0.08 DWI from a Class B misdemeanor to a Class A misdemeanor. And the penalty for a Class A misdemeanor is more harsh whereas a Class B carries a $2,000 maximum fine and six months in jail, the Class A carries a one-year jail sentence along with a $4,000, up to a $4,000 fine. So when you get uh, pulled over, you don't want to have, well, you don't want to have any alcohol in your system, obviously, but you don't want to have over a .15. Of course, plea negotiations can result in the prosecutor's decision to abandon the over 0.15 and just put it into the category of a regular uh, Class B misdemeanor DWI where where it would be if it were just a 0.08. Got you. Um, what about if it's a second offense? And 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 those actually carry the same the same type of uh, enhancement. We call them in in in, in lawland, but an enhancement is that it kicks it up from. Uh, the grade of offense that it was, and it kicks it up into the next higher category of crime. So the fines go up and the jail time, potential jail time goes up. Uh, we can almost always get probation on these things unless maybe it's a, <clears throat> a fifth DWI or something to that effect. And uh, like I said, they're really, really aggressive with these DWI cases Whereas I mentioned earlier in the 80s, you could just walk over and ask the prosecutor to dismiss it, and they would be pretty much all the time, they were basically just dismissed. Well, that's interesting. Um, you know, let's go ahead and change subjects a little bit, but kind of related to this. I know you do expunctions. I want to know um, what kind of expunctions you do and what kind of expunctions maybe you can't do. So let's say, you know, you have somebody with a criminal record and they just don't want that on their record. Uh, for example, they're, they're going for a job interview somewhere. Does that expunction make it look like that crime never happened? An expunction, well, in Texas, there's two different uh, vehicles by which a person who has, had a, who has a criminal record can, can minimize the effect of those items on his record. The first as you mentioned, is an expunction, and that's the best route to go. The other is called a non-disclosure. The difference is that when you get an expunction, you have to be able to demonstrate certain things that the expunction statute requires. And um, so, and and one one thing that is happening with expunctions, with DWI cases and misdemeanor cases, is that. Uh, with the new district attorney having been sworn in, uh, she abandoned a policy that had been in place for about 30 years that, deal, that dealt with those persons who committed a crime were arrested, 
but were admitted to a pretrial diversionary program known as pretrial diversion. In the past, with the old uh, regime of the DA's office, they made you sign a letter. In order to get into this first offenders program, you had to sign a letter giving up your right to an expunction because those persons who go through this program are uh, specifically named as a category of people who are entitled to an expunction. And what an, what an expun and so the new regime in the DA's office no, is no longer enforcing those. So we have been successful in going back cases that are 25, 30 years old and now advising those people of their right to now finally, after all this time, get that, get that arrest off their record. And what an expunction does is that it's an, it, it's, a, it's an order from a court that orders all law enforcement agencies that have any records at all about this person's arrest to destroy those records and or return them to the court. And, it's a, and it even allows the person who uh, received the expunction order to deny the existence of the occurrence. In other words, if they were ever to be asked about it, they can actually legally lie and say it never happened oh, wow. because there's no, there's, no legal rec there's no legal record of it anymore anyway. Uh, there's another vehicle in Texas that, that uh, is, was kind of uh, revised recently and that's called an order of non-disclosure. And it's not as good as an expunction, but it's kind of the same because it only allows, because nobody can go back and get your criminal history except law enforcement agencies. Now, there are a lot of exceptions under this statute. For example, uh, if you are a licensed agency in Texas, whether it be a barbershop, a bar, you, you, you can still obtain those because of the fact that you're a, lic a licensed agent or a licensing agent in the state of Texas. But a non-disclosure is not as good because, like I said, law enforcement still keeps the, the records. They just can't disperse, those, disperse that information to the general public. But as I said, there's a lot of exceptions to that, and licensing agencies are not the only exception there. It's kind of a complicated statute, and uh, we probably don't have time to get into it now, but uh, there are exceptions. But if you can't get an expunction, uh, you should absolutely get an order of non-disclosure. But if you have a choice, obviously an expunction is the way to go because it totally erases the event off of your criminal history. And nowadays with the uh, technology being what it is with computers, um, everybody ha seems to have the ability to pry into everybody else's background. I've seen people not even being allowed to rent an apartment because they have a, a, a conviction for a small amount of marijuana. I think it's ridiculous, but that is what is happening right now. And uh, everybody is doing background checks more and more often. Okay, and what would it normally cost to do an expunction? What's the range? Uh, I charge I charge a thousand. Uh, a lot of lawyers charge more. I'm sure there are also some who uh, charge less. There's also a uh, $350 fee that the court files that we can uh, usually get our clients out of having to pay by getting a waiver 
based on a document they signed that basically says that they are not financially able to pay the cost, the court costs. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you know, you do occupational driver's licenses. That's just for people that got a license suspended, but they still need to drive for, say, work or some kind of family obligation, right? Yeah, occupational driver's licenses are really the way to go if you've had your license suspended and whatnot uh, and are driving without a license. And for the reasons I mentioned earlier, if you get popped a second time for that offense, they can charge it literally in the same category as a DWI. It looks like your law firm covers a wide range of um, legal issues. You've been around for quite some time, huh? Forty oh, some yeah. years. Oh yeah, I've been around. I believe I started practicing law in 1975 or 76, and um, yeah, I've been. You know, I've, I've 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 delved into you know several different areas of law. I've enjoyed them all. Uh, they're, they've all been very challenging, and. Um, yeah, here we are. And you also do felonies. Yeah, I do misdemeanors uh, and felonies. Uh, you know, there's a there's there's so many different laws, but you know, basically, there's most of the time DWIs, uh, drug charges, you know, marijuana charges, theft charges, uh, reckless driving. There's just so many different crimes that you know are out there. Just you know, that that one person may be charged with. Uh, domestic violence cases, we do those also. Uh, we also do um, driver's license uh, issues such as uh, suspensions where the DPS takes action to suspend your license. Uh, we do a ton of those. Uh, we also do, uh, uh, we appeal those if necessary if we don't do well in the original court that it's filed in. And there's a whole process to those and we're, we're, we've been very, very, very successful with those. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you bring up those marijuana, the THC and stuff like that. You know, I know New Mexico, it's legal. In Texas, it's not. I imagine there's there's a lot more charges coming this way here in El Paso County because of that, wouldn't you say? Yes, uh, that's, that's very, very true. And... Um, uh, Drug paraphernalia charges. Yeah, they're, they're all over the place. And, uh, yeah... Uh, luckily, drug paraphernalia is a uh, Class C misdemeanor, and the good thing about those cases is that usually where, when the officers find paraphernalia, they also usually <clears throat> find a small amount of contraband, but they don't usually charge the people with contraband, but rather only with the paraphernalia. We, we can usually get those off the people's record, and if we can't, we can, if we, if we can't keep it off the record, well, those are those usually result in a deferred adjudication, and once those are done, we can actually even get those expunged, so they don't pop up on background criminal on criminal background checks. Cool, that's pretty interesting. Well, Mr. Arrington, I really appreciate your time again. I think it's a very informative podcast and a lot of information to my listeners to kind of just get an idea of how everything works. So I really do appreciate that. I always leave things off by asking. Um, who I'm interviewing. Is there anything else they want to add before we sign off? Uh, no, those are basically all the areas of practice. You know, we do felonies, we do misdemeanors, we do DWIs, we do uh, driver's license issues such as occupational driver's licenses, uh, suspension hearings, uh, appeals of those suspension hearings, uh, non-disclosure orders, and 
And that and I, every now and then I'll take a case that deals with just anything I seem to be interested in enough to want to undertake it. Great. Well, it's the Aronson Law Firm here in El Paso, Texas. If you want to reach out to his law firm, his phone number is 915-533-0110. Website AronsonLawTX.com. That's A-A-R-O-N-S-O-N-L-A-W-T-X.com. AronsonLawTX.com. Again, he covered all a wide range of the things that he covers. And uh, what's your address, Michael? The, the address is 7362 Remcon Circle. We're on the west side of El Paso. The zip is 79912. And the phone number is area code 915-533-0110. Great. And so all of you listening, you, you can find that contact information. I'll include a link in the podcast as well. So in case you have any legal troubles that we covered today, you can definitely reach out to his law firm and... Um, have him on your side. Well, again, thank you so much and you take it easy. Okay, Mike, until next time. Thanks so much for having me.